Coming up on BBP News, Louisiana Republican Steve Scalise has dropped out of the House Speaker race, putting things at a standstill. As warfare breaks out between Israel and Hamas, the U.S. is looking to put together an aid package. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode. Today is Friday, October 13th, Friday the 13th in spooky season. I I love it. It's scary. It's great. But we're back for another news episode. Well, let's hop right into the weather while you enjoy your spooky season over there. <laughs> in Los Angeles, California, it is clear 83 degrees with a clear weekend in Houston, Houston, Texas, it is clear, 80 degrees with a clear weekend. In Chicago, Illinois, it is raining 57 with more rain throughout the weekend. And in New York City, it is currently raining 55 degrees with a mostly clear weekend. Now, I know, you know, you're trying to interrupt my spooky season appreciation over here. I don't like it. Gotta give the spooky season some love. We're here on Friday the 13th. Why not give it some love? Well, why don't you just go watch a horror movie then? You know, I might just have to do that after this, but before we do that, we've got news to get into and a lot of big news, so kick off. Kick kick us off here. Are you sure? Are you sure you don't want to talk about spooky season a little bit longer? We'll we'll get back to it another time. You know what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just have to say this because when you said spooky season, this popped into my head. Okay. And we talked about this last year, and we told the country they need to do better. Okay. Now, I don't know if you remember, but we talked about the most popular Halloween candies in the country and by the state. Yes, I do The country did better. Okay. The country did better? The country did better. The number one candy was... um, the peanut butter cup. Okay. From Reese's. I can put some respect on that. I. New York State. Uh huh. Where we live. Yeah. Has fallen flat on its face, and I am big time disappointed. You know what the number one candy in New York State is? As long for as giving you don't... out on Halloween. As long as you don't say something like licorice, we're okay. I think. Red hots. But wasn't it something weird last year too though like i think it was either that or something else right around that territory of just weird we'll have to look back at that but you know what number two was which i mean i'm i don't say i hate this candy but like i don't want this candy on halloween i want chocolate call me old-fashioned but i want chocolate okay if you're saying it's number two is candy corn oh okay I thought, okay, I was bouncing back and forth because at first I was thinking candy corn, but when you said you wanted chocolate, I thought it was going to be something like Skittles, you know, something fruity and in that direction. But I love candy corn. I am a massive candy corn fan. I know it's yeah, one but of those- like If you go trick or treating, would you rather have a Reese's peanut butter cup or candy corn? Well, no, no, no. I feel candy corn is one of those things that you get for yourself at home the trick-or-treating stuff now you're going for that chocolate no doubt about it Mm -hmm. but you know candy corn is one of those things that you buy like three bags of and then just enjoy at home (laughs) yeah but this study was like halloween candy favorites yeah yeah i mean in my mind that's like trick-or-treating i guess it just is all-encompassing 
So I understand why Candy Corn... I'm actually a bit shocked that Candy Corn is number two because I have found it to be one of the most polarizing candies across the Halloween spectrum. And then number three, yet again, is not a chocolate candy. Now, don't get me wrong. I do like number three, Mm -hmm. but it's not chocolate. And I don't know why, but I just feel like trick-or-treating and like passing out candy, it's got to be chocolate. Right. Like that just might be my ment, you know, my mental whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like it has to be chocolate, doesn't it? I, I I feel like chocolate is a Halloween staple. Like you have your Snickers, you have your Milky Ways. You know, one of the things that you look for as a kid is the houses that give out the full size candy bars, or maybe that lucky house that gives out mm-hmm. even like the king size ones. It's just like, you know, those are the houses that you want to hit, and so obviously you're getting a lot of chocolate at those types of places. So, you know, I will travel with you on that chocolate road. Well, thank you. Number three was Sour Patch Kids. I get, that's huh, not a candy I associate with Halloween. Not even a little bit. Yeah, it's just... Like, don't get me wrong. It's a good candy. Oh, for but sure. Like, give me a Snickers bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, give me a Twix. Give me a Kit Kat. Not the Sour Patch Kids. So the country, I would say overall this year did improve. New York State, you just failed us big time. Yeah, New York, I don't know what you're doing. I don't. Red Hots, really? Red Hots? Are you serious? I've never heard if anyone you put say Red I want Hots some Red in Hots. my pumpkin. Yeah, let me have some Red Hots over there. Yeah. Now, Red Hots are good in like a little candy jar dish that's sure. like maybe on your coffee table that you only eat out out of once a year, but. Again, who's saying, mm, I'm craving some good old-fashioned Red Hots? Right, like, I'm going trick-or-treating tonight. We're going to have a great time. Or if, you know, you're a little bit older, like, we're going to have a fantastic Halloween party. It's going to be fire. I want Red Hots. No. Yeah. No one says But anywho. That. Anywho, the country, very proud of you. You improved New York State. Very disappointed. Might have to move. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is sad. But anyways, like Nick said, we do have plans to get into. Steve Scalise just dropped out of the race as Speaker of the House, and he's pointing the finger at his own party. So let me get this straight, you might be wondering. We now have no Republican Speaker candidate. Tomorrow it will be 11 days since the last one was fired, and the chaos in the House of Representatives continues. Yeah, that sounds about right. In your case, your head is spinning. Let me just recap everything that's happened. Steve Scalise was just elected by a majority of the House Representatives Wednesday to be their choice for speaker in a secret ballot. It become it became clearer and clearer as the day went on Wednesday and all throughout the day Thursday that things were getting worse for him instead of gaining support. He kept losing support. So now what? What happens from here now that he has dropped out of the speaker race? Well, the House is paralyzed. First off, no business can get done. We have a government shutdown scheduled in one month. No bills can pass, and we will soon have a critical aid package for Israel that needs approval. So, what are the Republicans going to do now? The conference will have to get together again and vote for someone in their party to be the next speaker. Representative Jim Jordan is still on the list, believe it or not. So is former Speaker McCarthy and others might jump on as well. But several who supported Scalise say they will not be supporting Jordan. We'll just have to wait and see 
what the future holds for this whole situation. You might be wondering, how's the United States going to respond to the assault on Israel by Hamas? Well, we got ourselves a little problem. There is no speaker, as we have just reported, of the House. And in order for then Israel, the additional aid it needs, if it becomes, it has to be a functioning Congress. And as it sits right now, we still do not have one. And the president has already taken some actions that are within his powers to assist Israel, which we will tell you all about in a few seconds. But first, as I have been reporting, the House cannot conduct any legislative business without an elected speaker. That includes any potential aid package for Israel. The president and both Democrat and Republican lawmakers have said could be necessary in the future. In fact, the former Speaker of the House said this week, whatever it takes, the U.S. must stand with Israel. Now, the president has already surged military resources to the area, including providing some specific weapons systems to Israel, but they're requested and has sent the USS General Ford Aircraft Carrier Strike Group to the area. As Commander-in-Chief, he can do that without congressional approval. The Defense Department says that the move is not meant to put U.S. boots on the ground in this conflict, but to show a visible sign of support for Israel and make it very clear to adversaries like Iran or others who may want to get involved and escalate the violence that they should think twice. But back to the money part here, the aid part of all of this. And in case you're wondering, in fiscal year 2023, the U.S. allocated a total of about $4 billion in annual defense and non-defense aid to Israel. In uh, specific terms, it was $3.8 billion for foreign military finance slash missile defense plus $98.58 million in cooperative defense and non-defense programs. That's just a small portion of the $38 billion that the United States has promised Israel for military aid over a 10-year span. When it comes to foreign aid, Israel is one of the countries that received the most aid from the United States. But that annual allocation is probably not going to be enough, and that's where Congress, especially the House, comes into play. Depending on how long this attack lasts, we will likely see the president ask Congress for some sort of emergency aid package for Israel, but there has to be a speaker to get that request to the floor for a vote. The current official candidate for the House Speaker is Representative Jim Jordan, with former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy also floating around as a possible name in the hat. And the reason that McCarthy's name is kind of floating around at this point, uh, if you remember, he had said before that he was not interested in running again, had repeatedly stated that he would not be running again and for his party members to not nominate him. But in recent days, it has come out that he is interested in running for the job again. So we will have to wait and see how this unfolds. Tuesday afternoon, President Biden outlined the U.S.'s support for Israel in this war with Hamas, but also talked about what that actually is going to look like. As of today, President Biden said 22 American citizens have been killed and 20 or more are still missing. Some of those are likely being held hostage by Hamas, along with many other Israels. Hamas is not the same as 
Palestinian people. Hamas is the group that governs the Gaza Strip and has for years been declared a terrorist organization by the United States. Since the attack started over the weekend, President Biden has spoken to Israel Prime Minister three times. He offered to send U.S. specialists in hostage recovery to the area to try and recover those who were taken. And while he urged Israel to comply with the international rules of war, he did not suggest Israel should show restraint against Hamas. In fact, he told the prime minister, if this was happening in America, we would act swiftly, decisively, and overwhelmingly. So what does this United States support look like? So under his power as commander-in-chief, the president has already surged military assets like weapon systems and replenishments for Iron Dome interceptors, but he also sent the USS Gerald Ford Aircraft Carrier Strike Group to the area. The president did not suggest that there would be American boots on the ground in this conflict. Instead, he said the goal of the U.S. military is to deter any more violence. President Biden also suggested this military aid won't be the end of it. What exactly that aid package will look like, we just don't know yet. After months of silence, we just got an update on those classified documents found at President Biden's home in Delaware and private offices in Washington, D.C. According to the Office of the Special Counsel Robert Hur, President Biden voluntarily sat for interviews over two days to try and get to the bottom of how and why these documents were outside of secure facilities. The questioning was done on Sunday and Monday of this week. In the interview, the White House said, quote, the president and the White House are cooperating with the investigation, and as it has been appropriate, we have provided relevant updates publicly, being as as transparent as we can, consistent with protecting and preserving the integrity of the investigation, end quote. The special counsel's office did not make a statement about the interviews. The Justice Department has said all statements will be made through legal filings made with the court. And at this point, there are no charges filed with the court when it comes to those classified documents that were found at Biden's residence or his private offices. If you want to make an apples-to-apples comparison between this case and another classified documents case, the most similar one is with former Vice President Mike Pence. I told you back in January that he discovered classified documents in his home in Indiana, and once they were discovered, Pence's team immediately notified the FBI and turned them over to the National Archives. And from the beginning, Pence said that he would fully cooperate with the investigation. Just a few months ago in June, the Department of Justice closed its investigation into Pence's classified documents and did not file any charges against him. And now I'm not saying that that's what will happen with the president. His case is different in that a special counsel was appointed to look into what happened. There was no special counsel appointed to the Pence case, but they are similar in that they both were vice presidents who were out of office in possession of classified materials outside of secure locations and both pledged to fully cooperate with the investigation. There is no time frame for when special counsel Robert Hur will make a decision in President Biden's classified documents case. President Biden just forgave $9 billion in federal student loan debt for 125,000 borrowers this week. Well, that came out of nowhere, didn't it? Well, yeah, it did. So who's getting this forgiveness? There are three main groups. So group one includes 53,000 borrowers who fall in the public.
public service loan forgiveness program, meaning they fall into the category of public servant. They work in public safety, law enforcement, public health, public service, or are an employee of the federal, state, local, or tribal government. Now, Group 2 includes 51,000 borrowers who were on some form of income-driven repayment program and have been paying for the last 20 years. This group includes borrowers who may have had their previous loan payments miscalculated, and now that the Department of Education has fixed the internal problem, their 20 years of payments now qualify for forgiveness. And the last group includes 22,000 borrowers who have total or permanent disability and were identified by a data match with social security so when will you know if your loan is one that will be forgiven well if you were in group two the group who's been paying for 20 years on an income driven repayment program you should have already received a notice or you may see one in the coming days For groups one and three, borrowers who were forgiven under a public service loan forgiveness program or borrowers with a total or permanent disability, you'll receive a notice in the next 30 days. As for the new student loan forgiveness program that the president promised for everyone else with a federal student loan, the education department is still moving forward with the very slow process of coming up with a new rule to forgive loans. What that plan looks like? Who would qualify for it? It's going to be months before we know. The administration is trying to make sure they dot every I and cross every T so that the new plan won't be struck down by the Supreme Court. So we have a few things coming up for the Monday morning show. The latest on the ongoing speaker replacement drama. What did the United States government do about Friday's call for a day of jihad? September's inflation increased again. What items are more expensive? What items are cheaper? And Social Security and SSI recipients will get more money in 2024, plus so much more. Getting into rapid news, the country's largest nursing strike seems to be over. Check BBP News on X or Twitter for more details. Americans from Oregon and Texas will have the chance to see a rare celestial show this weekend as the Ring of Fire solar eclipse is set to dazzle across the sky. But before gazing up, experts say don't look directly at it without proper protection. Nick, what do you get for this Friday morning good news? All right. So for my story today, I have one that just completely caught my attention because it's one of those things that you never really thought would happen ever again. Now, there was... A mom in labor, her name was Catherine, and she was on the Mercy Ship. Now, we have talked about the Mercy Ship before. It is basically a massive hospital ship that goes around to areas around the world uh, and gives medical treatment, surgeries, and things like that uh, to people who live in these really, you know, under privileged areas, these places with not, uh, with little medical care available. And Catherine was one of these people that had the opportunity to uh, be on the Mercy ship from the country that she was currently residing in. And she needed uh, emergency surgery. It needed to happen immediately. She had been in labor for four days. Her and the baby were going to pass away otherwise. And another doctor was able to get her onto the ship and get the surgery done. And so they both survived. Now, Catherine and her daughter, Regina, they ended up in Australia. They ended up getting citizenship in Australia. The nurse that took care of them through all that, her name was Allie, she continued to uh, work on the Mercy ship. She continued to work for a very long time after that. Now, 
30 years later, 30 years after all this happened, they all met again and working on the same ship. Allie was still working as a nurse. Catherine was working in the dining room of the Mercy ship while uh, Regina was also working as a nurse. So the three came back together after all that time. The nurse that saved both the lives of the mother and daughter. It's just such an amazing story. And now they say they have no plans to lose contact again. They are going to be friends for life. Talk about timing now. All of them being able to come together. That's just incredible. And over 20 years later, and now they're all going to stay in touch forever. That's just amazing. It's beautiful. I, I really have nothing more I can say about that. It's just plainly beautiful. Well, that is the end of this Friday morning news episode. We will be back here Sunday morning for what to expect for the week of of October 15th. Until then, everybody, enjoy the start to your weekend. Bye, guys. Bye.